Hello, hello, and welcome back to Ideological Obscura. It's been a while, but I've been on, but I can explain myself. And I'm very sorry that I've not uh, been keeping up with the episodes and everything, folks. Um, terribly sorry about that. Um, I've been on vacation uh, for both in the United States and with my girlfriend in Turkey. Then we did a train trip across Europe. And um, class have been starting again. And we, and I also did try to record this episode a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago with my friend John, uh, but unfortunately the audio for that episode got completely fucked. But hey, I'm back and we're going to get back into action. I prom, I pinky promise you, I'm, we're no more delays, no more false promises. We're getting back into it. We're getting back and we're going to start, hit the ground running. And I just want to th stop for a moment and say thank you to every single one of you because we have reached 504 views as of today. And I am so thankful for all of you that have done this. Every one of you that has been tuning in from all over the world, whether it be Uzbekistan, Thailand, California, Germany, Mas North Macedonia. One guy watching a bunch of my episodes. I really appreciate it appreciate it. I think it was one guy, but it's multiple Macedonians. Love you guys. Love North Macedonia. You guys are great. Been to the, been to it. Very nice country. Um, and I just wanted, I never thought I would get this far. I thought it would only be allowed like 200 views for a long time, but thank you so much. And I hope I can continue to make amazing content for you that you can use to terrify your Tinder dates. <laughs> uh, and without further ado, let's get into it. And today, we're going to be talking about a little ideology made by some German racists. And I know, I know what you're thinking. But Thomas, you just did an episode on eco-fascism, also created by racist Germans. And then you saw an original. I know, my dear viewers. I don't, I don't fucking care. Um, but I just thought that it would be a fun. I already had research down for this. And I thought, hey, why not give you guys something that, that is also within the view of horseshoe theory, basically. Because this is what it is. For those who don't know, instead of thinking about a political spectrum on either a single axis, a single line, or the more advanced version of uh, having like a like a graph you would see in math class where you have all the different quadrants for authoritarian left, authoritarian right, libertarian left, libertarian right, instead you have it as a horseshoe where the center were those... Whereas the farther you get away from the center, the more and more similar and that they become and closer they become, almost creating something like a horseshoe. Exactly. And the creator of it basically looked at national Bolshevism and says, huh, now I have an idea to explain that. So, so me be asking, what is Strassism? Well, that's the wrong question. Instead, we're going to ask who? Is Strasserism. I mean, I mean, Strasser. It was actually two people, Gregor and Otto Strasser. Now, I, I know some of you be some of my German viewers may be mad I'm pronouncing it wrong. I'm gonna correct it. Stras, Strasser, Strasser. I'm gonna. I'm getting canceled by the Germans. My my German fans. Um, they were two brothers that were born in the late 1800s in Germany to an upper class conservative. Catholic Bavarian family. And they would grow up to live 
regularly normal lives as anyone would in that strata of society. You know, living in the German em- in the burgeoning German Empire that would be that would solidify in the late eighteen hundreds into what would become the what would become known as the German Empire in the early twentieth century. However, that would all change because some guy decided to troll an archduke in nineteen fourteen, which let which led to the outbreak of the First World War. And that led to Otto and Gregor immediately enlisting in the German army. And during their time in their time in combat, they received various commendations for their active service in the war. So that would and that war, much like everyone else, would affect them very, very much in their political views, because they would develop very strong nationalistic feelings for Germany um, as they fought on the front lines. I don't know which uh, theater they were in, I'm not, I, but I'm going to place my bets on the Western Front, because I couldn't find any, both academic, any sources um, on telling me where they were. All I know is that they were in the military, and that they did see combat. However, we all know how this would end. Because on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, 1918, an armistice would be signed, effectively ending a war. One of the most brutal wars in European history, in fact, world history, which laid waste to the various empires of Europe and would build new nations. It would also lead to new ideologies to cope and understand the traumas that had occurred in that war and the various things that occurred alongside of it, specifically the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. Because Germany was one of those countries that had to deal with the trauma, not only of just the war, but of being the loser. Now, most of my viewers are from the United States, and may not have a very clear grasp on exactly what occurred in the final days of the First World War that specifically led to Germany falling. Obviously, there were military defeats at the front line. However, there was trouble inside Germany that led to its collapse. Because during the four years of the war, Germany was facing poverty, famine, and destitution by a vast majority of society. The turnip winter brings to mind in which the Germans only had to eat turnips because of food scarcity from the British blockade leading to a de facto famine in the country. This alongside with tightening control of the the government under the military dictatorship and their support of the Kaiser led to further democratic backsliding to the already weak democracy of Germany prior to the First World War. Because back back in the German Empire, there was a parliament, and and they could vote. However, women couldn't vote, there was no secret ballot, and there was no equal representation in vote. Because it, the richer you were, your vote was worth more, quite literally. Which basically 
made German democracy look like nothing more than a sham. Furthermore, one of the few parties that was actually attempting to make improve German society, the Social Democratic Party, a revolutionary at the time, a revolutionary German workers' party that had fought for labor rights and the rights of the German proletariat, had been becoming more and more... Now you may be asking, yes, this is very interesting, Thomas, uh, the various intricacies of German German governance and whatnot, but what does that have to do with Strasserism? What does that have to do with anything? Well, that's a good question. The reason is because the party, the SPD, the Social Democratic Party of Germany, that would support the German war effort, would ironically lead to the end of the German Empire and the creators of the Weimar Republic, because they would be the instigators of the German Revolution, which would replace the federal constitutional monarchy with a democratic republic, which would become known to be the Weimar Republic, and they would enact a liberal democracy with social democratic principles of a welfare state, liberal democratic ideals, and of equal representation, and of universal suffrage. However, they were not the only faction involved in this in the German Revolution. The, uh, the second one were known as the Spartacists. And the Spartacists were de facto led by two so former Social Democratic members of Parliament, Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg. Both were against the SPD supporting the war back in 1914, and they continued their efforts in order to stop the war and to fight for revolution in Germany. They were faced many various times by arrests and police and suppression. However, with the support of various workers and socialists around Germany, they eventually became they were successful in establishing themselves as a as an important faction when the revolution occurred. They sought to have a more socialist style and Soviet style for Germany in which they would have a, in which they would abolish capitalism and exploitation institute true democracy and then have that revolution be expanded to the rest of the world linking up with their bolshevik partners in russia the spd revolutionaries who sought to create a democratic liberal democratic republic did not like this one bit they saw karl liebknecht and rosa luxemburg as traitors bolshevik revolutionaries who would destroy germany the very idea of revolution had become an idea of disgust from most SPD members, a party that was originally a revolutionary one. And this is actually where we get the, I, the, orig, the modern conception of social democracy, of welfare state, uh, of welfareism, and of, and of support of workers' rights, but not revolution, not abolishing capitalism. This, in the early 1900s, in the late eight, in the late 1800s is this is where it started and this is where we see the biggest split in the left in which the spd in order to fight these spartacus revolutionaries who are popping up all over germany leading to germany basically being the de facto civil war for roughly two years um and, and are arguably even more by some historians sought to destroy these spartacus and who would they align with? 
the very people that they overthrew, the reactionaries, the conservatives, the monarchists, and they would unite over their shared hatred of communism and socialism. And this is where we get back to the Strasser Bros. Because after the war, the German military, or the former veterans, were felt divided. Some actually participated in the, in the mutiny, such as those who led the Kiel Uprising, uh, of, which was done by, by naval mutineers. However, there were various elements in the German military that were very reactionary, anti-revolutionary, anti-communist, and conservative that would do anything to fight against a socialist revolution back in, back in the home country. And this is led to the creation of the so-called Freikorps, reactionary paramilitary groups that, that would coalesce around this anti-communist and later anti-democratic struggle. And this is where we get back to Otto. Because with the end of the First World War and the signing of the Treaty of Versailles and the demobilization of much of the German army, a lot of them, a lot of veterans, didn't have anywhere to go in order to fight for fight this uh, Bolshevik revolution that was occurring, most of them joined these Freikorps. Soviet Republic was, he, and he would join in 1919, would be involved in crushing the Bavarian Soviet Republic. Uh, basically a breakaway state that, that was formed in this German state of Bavaria to create their own Soviet, Soviet Republic. And he, this was, and he, basically, these Fry Corps were sent in by the SP, by the new SPD Weimar government to to crush these these socialists, and they were successful. Gone by 1919, and Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg would be killed, betrayed by their former party. Betrayal, and the various uprisings around Germany that would be occurring in these between 1918 and 1919 were crushed leading to the solidification for the Weimar Republic. However, there would still be on shaky ground. So, that is where we get off. That is where the story begins. Otto Strasser was involved in the far-right paramilitary groups of the Freikorps. And with their and with their success in Bavaria, he would move back into civilian life, where he would move to Berlin and would begin studying with economics. He would also be involved in politics. Ironically, he became a supporter of the SPD and been elected to the student parliament as the founder of the University Association of Socialist Veterans. Despite Otto's former membership with the Fry Corps, he would eventually turn against them in March of 1920 with the outbreak of the Kapp Putsch. This putsch was a far-right coup which sought to dispose of the Weimar Republic and was supported by nationalists, monarchists, factions of the German army, and of course the Fry Corps. However, the Putsch government only lasted for about a week, due to the entire country being paralyzed by a non-compliant civil service, and the majority of the German people rising, including Otto, rising up and joining in a general strike. Thus, the government was forced to return power back to the Weimar government, and the Putsch leaders eventually went to hiding. However, the Putsch and the general strike led to a sense of revolution in the air, an opportunity for the proletariat of Germany to finally cast off the chains of capitalism and reaction, thus sparking the Ruhr Uprising.
The Ruhr region was once the heart of Germany's industrial might, which includes the cities of Cologne, Dortmund, Dusseldorf, Essen, and Bonn. As common industrial cities back then, the majority of the population was the industrial proletariat who bore the brunt of capitalist exploitation, and thus they would associate themselves with labor unions and political parties to resist against it such as the Independent Social Democrats, the USPD, the Communist Party, and the SPD. When the Putsch overthrew the government in March and the general strike was called, the revolutionaries of the Ruhr rose up in revolt. By April, however, the Weimar government back in power demanded that the revolutionaries in the Ruhr end their uprising. They refused and thus the reinstated SPD would again play the extremes off of each other by again sending the Fry Corps, the very people they just fought, to use them in fighting against the Ruhr Red Army, crushing them, leading to the deaths of over a thousand casualties on the side of the revolutionaries. This utter betrayal of the German working class disillusioned Otto with the SPD, and led him to leave the organization shortly afterwards. This disgust over the backstabbing nature of the SPD would be illustrated by both the left and the right in the coming years. With socialists and communists deeping their hatred of the traitors of the revolution, the very people who murdered Karl Liebknecht, Rosa Luxemburg, and the countless revolutionaries in the both the Ruhr Uprising and the German Revolution, and eventually will be called social fascists in the 1930s. While the right would develop the stab-in-the-back myth, an anti-Semitic myth which believed that the German army did not lose the war, in, but in fact it was lost on the home front by Jewish and socialist plotting that destroyed and overthrew it with a, this new degenerate democracy. And these will be the same people who agreed to the punitive measures of the Treaty of Versailles, crippling and weakening the German nation and the German people. The latter theory would lay the foundations of a terrible political movement that would eventually control much of Europe under its grip in a few decades. And this path of darkness was already being followed by Otto's brother, Gregor who, unlike his left -wing, more left-wing brother, had associated himself with the far-right milieu, albeit the more intellectual side. You don't want to get those hands dirty, do you? This was where Gregor would, co would come to work with a certain Austrian corporal, failed artist. The rest of the 1920s, Otto would begin to create his own idiosyncratic mixture of ideologies, blending nationalism, social Christianity, anti-Semitism, and revolutionary socialism, the latter of which he derived from his meeting with the Soviet pol politician and chairman of the Communist International, aka the Comintern. His name was Georgi Znoviev. They met at a congress hosted by the USPD, where Zinoviev convinced Otto of the validity of the Bolshevik revolutionary experience. 
making Otto have a pro-Bolshevik stance in his political beliefs. That revolutionary experience, funnily enough, was something that Otto was quite familiar with, having part in the crushing of Bavaria's own Soviets and his latter support of the Ruhr Uprising. However, he would also mingle in, the con in conservative and nationalist circles, which exposed him to Oswald Spengler and Vandenbroek, who, if you had done your homework, were the intellectual foundations of national Bolshevism. Both national Bolshevism's and Strasserism's syncretic responses, this red-brown response to the events and traumas of the post-World War I world, are quite similar, and these similarities will keep popping up as I continue. Uh, and these similarities will keep popping up as we continue. Despite his involvement in the intellectual circles of both the far right and the far left, Otto refused to join any political organization, making him a classic example of an armchair revolutionary. He probably fit really well on Twitter. In stark contrast to his brother, though, Gregor was an organizer and propaganda head for the German Volkisch Freedom Party, or the DVFP, not to be confused with the DNVP, which was a uh, minor Volkisch, basically uh, proto-fascist uh, far-right party that broke away from the DNVP in 1922, but would dissolve in 1925 when it was incorporated into a obscure political party, one that doesn't really make the history books, known as the NSDAP, otherwise known as the Nazi Party. Thus, Gregor, who had already knew a uh, certain Adolf Schmittler, became a Nazi, and became involved in helping revive the party after the debacle that was the Beer Hall Putsch in 1923. Gregor was fully aware of the difficulties they faced. Uh, Gregor was fully aware of the difficulties that faced a racialist nationalist movement, trying to win over a socialist proletariat in the German North, where he was working in. In order to win that region's middle and working class, Gregor called in the favor from Otto, asking to come over to the NSDAP and help them solve this issue. How do you get the German workers? the German middle class on our side. Otto agreed and became the Nazi party's North German ideologue, writing articles and speeches under his brother's name, which is, an which is ironic since both are from Bavaria. But they were successful and gained in support in the industrial North with socialistic rhetoric and revolutionary-sounding platitudes. And this would form the core of what is of the so-called National Socialist Left which would eventually become... There we go. Drum roll, please. Strasserism! That's where it comes, baby. It is quote-unquote leftist Nazis, who will get in more depth into what they actually believe within this. But for as a time being, in the late, in the late 1920s and early 1920s, they would be a significant faction in the Nazis in the National Socialist Party. And they, and they would be involved in work, working on the economic and diplomatic policy, policy points of the party. And they presented a doctrine that would be unchanged until the eventual, spoiler alert, annihilation of the leftist current in 1934. In the case of what these left 
Nazis believed in can be seen in their critique of the in their comments on the Nazis' 25-point program, which was established in 1920, in which the program includes, among other things, the creation of a strong centralized state, citizenship by blood, legal discrimination against Jews, remilitarization of, of the nation, expansion of pensions, and, quote, and uh, freedom of religion, as long as it didn't hurt the moral senses of a German race and media censorship, just to name a few. The left Nazis agreed with all these points. However, they also insisted on nationalizations, limitation of private property, and necessity of a German-Soviet alliance, where they predict that they will have to go to war for national liberation against the Western imperialist powers, the Versailles powers, much like the national Bolsheviks of the idea that they need to align with the Soviets who have a shared interest in fighting against the Western capitalist democracies. However, not all was well, because between 1926 and 1930, Hitler was not happy with these Strassers. He was convinced of the need to rid these quote-unquote Bolshevik Strasser brothers and maneuver to weaken the Nazi left and undermine the sway of the brothers without endangering the North German organization such as by excluding and ousting left-wing Gauleiters, basically party uh, regional heads, in multiple states, thus trying to solidify the more Hitlerite tendency in the Nazi party. That's one of the things that you often don't hear about, in, in America, particularly in the United States, of that there are different tendencies in the Nazi movement, and that either way, Neither of them are really socialist in the sense, particularly Hitler, because, as we will discuss later, Hitler was more economically right-wing than the Strasser brothers. And speaking of economics, the 1929 crisis, Black Monday, was resulted in the world going into the big sad, the Great Depression and left Germany, an already recovering economy from the war and the burden faced by the Versailles reparations, sent the nation into pandemonium. Economic, political, social pandemonium, which would lead the way to increasing political extremism. And this also tipped the, the internal political balance of the Nazi party who, in the new socioeconomic context and political context, believed that they needed to, they had a chance to win. However, instead of going left, or more socialistic, the Hitlerite tendency, Hitler defined the strategic outlines of the NSDAP, would, be, would prevail, and they would limit, they would tone down the anti-capitalistic rhetoric, and have greater open, openness towards conservatives and the Catholic Church, but intensify on their anti-Marxist struggle and anti-Semitic agitation, and would make systematic use of street violence to intimidate and suppress political opponents such as communists or social democrats or various other organizations. It would also try to reconcile with, their politi with another political party, DNVP, 
so that they could potentially get into a coalition and government. This new consolidation of the Hitlerite tendency in the Nazi party went against what Otto wanted, since he argued that the foundation of the, not of the Third Reich necessarily involved a revolution that was both national and socialist, if the Marxists could be convinced of the uselessness of class struggle. One doesn't really make sense, but hey, this is syncretic ideologies that we're talking about. But this does derive from his talk with Zinoviev, the validity of the Bolshevik revolutionary experience, of, of the necessity of a violent revolution to topple the Weimar democracy. This dissatisfaction and consolidation of the Hitlerite tendencies made Otto leave the Nazi party in, 19, in the summer of 1930, and led to a sizable portion of the left Nazis in the Nazi party, leaving to join Otto's, quote, Combat League of Revolutionary National Socialists, or KGRNS. I am not going to try and say what it is in German, which upset Gregor since he wanted to keep the party together and keep his brother in, the North German ideologue, so that they could do better in the polls. Fortunately, he was not successful. The KGRNS defined themselves as quote, revolutionary national socialists, just like Otto's idea of the validity of a, of a violent revolution as experienced by the Bolsheviks, and also the, the more Bolshevik tendencies that the Strasbourgs had to, had in what they would conceive as a Third Reich. And they would also have a weekly journal called Die Deutsche Revolution and the theoretical monthly National Socialist Letters. I see that no matter what time period you're in, people are going to post. Post, 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 and post their theoreticals and insane political theories. Whether it be today on Medium or back then on some... Uh, random German paper that you just get thrown at down the street by guys on a truck. The Strasserist cause would also gain some success in April of 1931, with the Berlin SSA. For those who don't know, the SA, or the Sturmabteilung, was the Nazis' uh, armed wing that would suppress and do the street fighting against its enemies and provide security as well. However, they were also a separate faction within, nah, within the Nazi party and were more aligned with the more revolutionary and radical tendencies, unlike the Hitlerite tendency. This Berlin revolt in April of 1931 was led, uh, led to a larger power struggle called the Stenz Revolt, which was led by a certain SA member, Walter Stenz. And this would further galvanized a factionalism, particularly among left-wing Nazis, against the Hitlerite tendency in the Nazi party, and let lead them to join the KGRNS. However, there were certain reformist elements apparent in the KGRNS economic tendencies, which were heavily criticized by the left-wing national Bolsheviks, who supported a planned economy and a radical implementation of social ownership of the economy and the means of production, that being the national Bolsheviks, not the KGRNS. Some new KGRNS members rapidly lost faith in the ability for Otto's group to defend itself against the NSDAP both mi militarily and also have some ideological and political uh, success, which they failed on all three fronts. And this led to some of them deciding to work with the KPD, the Communist Party of Germany, and 
some of them would ultimately join. This trend of uh, defections to the KPD and dissatisfaction with the KGRNS would continue with varying intensities for the next couple months between 1930 and 1931. And so by the fall of 1931, the KGRNS looked doomed to disappear to the, into the dustbin of history, which eventually it did. However, Otto did what any good company would do in the situation, rebrand, in which he created the Schwarzfront, or Black Front, which was an informal alliance with the KGRNS at its core, would include uh, members from, the defunct, from a defunct peasant movement and various paramilitary groups, uh, the Bund, such as the Bund Oberland and Werwolf, think, former, think Freikorps, However, he, he, time is a flat circle. He leaves. He was part of the Fry Corps. He leaves the Fry Corps, and now he's working with Fry Corps. He can't. He, just when I think I was out, pull me back in. Fry Corps, they get me every time. However, by the end of 1931, the KGRNS only had a core of less than 800 active militants and around 1,500 members, which is generally. If you're facing up against the NSDAP, not a good place where you want to be. And things would only get worse for the Strats, right? Since a year later, they would see their enemy, the Nazis, become the dominant political force in Germany. In 1932, Hitler ran for Reichspräsident, but lost to uh, Paul von Hindenburg. Hitler then, in order, in order for a bid to gain power in, in his government, sought the position of chancellorship but was instead offered the position of vice-chancellor by Paul von Hindenburg. This term of events led to an internal crisis in the Nazi party, with three factions at each other's throat, with Hitler wanting to become chancellor by appointment. Gregor wanted Hitler to reduce his demands to a ministerial appointment in order to form a coalition, while the leader of the SA, Ernst Röhm, uh, notif notified a national revolutionary and and uh, homosexual, demanded Hitler launch a putsch and overthrow the government. Hitler responded to these uh, this internal uh, fights and con considerations by his colleagues by dismissing Rehr, which led to a flood of resignations that revitalized the KGRNS and thus the, and thus the Black Front to, for, with an extra 4,000 new members. However, this did not help because the KGRNS and the Black Front were in no position to stop Hitler's appointment in 1933. However, this would not help them. The Black Front was in no position to stop Hitler's appointment to Chancellor in 1933. Foolishly, Otto praised Hitler's appointment as a triumph of legality, with this event marking the reformist phase of the National Socialist Revolution in which reform will be followed by revolution, and that he saw himself as, the, as a leader of, and would be the last guy standing, along with his brother, leading the new National Socialist, sorry, revolutionary National Socialist, Third Reich. Unfortunately, we know how this ends. The Reichstag would be set on fire, and in order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Weimar Republic would be reorganized into the Third 
German Heich. For a safe and secure society, the Enabling Act would give Hitler dictatorial powers, thus making him the Führer. only consolidate this, since only a year later, the night of the na long, since only a year later, the night of the long knives would begin. Anyone that he had a bone to pick with during his long rise to power, the SA, the Strasserus, the left Nazis, Rom, Gregor, would be purged and this forced Otto to flee the country. And he would bounce around Europe for a little bit until he eventually ended up in Canada, where he would continue to agitate and write there against the regime that killed his brother, the regime that destroyed his dream of a revolutionary national socialist. And that, folks, is where I'll leave off for today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'm so glad, uh, and I'm so happy that everyone could uh, could uh, just tune in and get us to the 500 views uh, worldwide. I mean, it boggles my mind. Um, and I hope that just me today, because my friends aren't really available to help me out, um, but you'll hear Aaron back, Aaron will come back on the podcast, and who knows? Maybe we'll have some guests. Maybe we'll have Elliot come back on. But hey, thank you again so much. Don't forget to share this with your friends. We also have an Instagram page that you can see down in the description. Um, go there, follow it, like my uh, shitty uh, shit posting. And thank you so much, everybody, and have a wonderful day.